the Academy Award for Best Picture. La La Land. Welcome to Happy Hour Films at the Oscars. As you can see by Mike's background and my background, we are clearly standing in Los Angeles right now on remote for both of us. We're both at different parts of the theater. And I think Mike's actually inside because that looks like the stage behind you, Mike. Yeah, see, the Academy finally came to their senses and invited true movie professionals to come discuss the best movies of the year. Yes, the future creators and artists behind Splooge, the motion picture. Yes. Um, we, we are honored to actually be here. And um, I can look to my right and see the fellow, nom- my fellow nominees and our fellow, um, our fellow Hollywood uh, hotshots, I guess we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at Amy Schumer for some reason. She crashed the party, it looks like. Uh, for some reason, she got invited. Don't know why. She's not funny, talented, or an actress. So maybe, maybe somebody. There's been some holes in the gates. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how she got in. Let alone us. So I guess anybody should say we open a walk into the Oscars. <laughs> now, Ross, because we're we're coming in kind of partway through the Oscars, we didn't get a chance to do our whole red carpet thing. So why don't you tell the audience who you're wearing right now? <laughs> I am wearing uh, what looks to be Valentino, I think. Um, it's, it's, it's actually off of their Amazon collection. Um, it's, it's, more, it's the most comfortable tux I've ever worn in my life. Um, and I've worn four tuxes in my life. The so color suits you. <laughs> yeah, this is just amazing. And I think the color is great. It brings out my eyes and it pops against the gold of the uh, red carpet behind me. And um Mike, I see that you are wearing uh, probably the most coveted designer on uh, in Hollywood right now, and um, that would be your shirt. Yes. Under my beautiful pink blazer and red bow tie, I do have a Happy Hour Films t-shirt on. There it is. <laughs> That's right. And frankly, it's made out of the best material. Um, we've had some amazing designers in to work on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've... We've flown them in from all over the place, and um, hold on, we have a little uh, we have a little crasher of the party here. Come here, sweetie. What's up? Can you say hi to Uncle Mike? Hi, Robin. Yeah, say hi. He can see you. Yeah, say hi. He can see. He can see her. Hi. She's she's here. What's up, sweetie? <laughs> what are you doing at our Oscar show? Um, are you going? Hey, you should be in bed, shouldn't you? Uh-huh. All right. Are you going to go to bed? Uh-huh. Okay. I love that. That's a microphone that Mike and uh, Uncle Mike and Daddy are talking in, so, okay? Hey, you got to be a good listener. Listen to Mommy and go to bed, okay? Okay. All right. Many, sweetie. Many, sweetie. Bye. And, of course, like, that's, Winner of our Best Supporting Actress Award. (laughs) Right, yeah, it's Best Supporting Actress. She was brought out here by our Best Leading Actress. Um, Unfortunately, you know, these things happen. It's like uh, the soy bomb guy at the Grammys. You know, uh, we do have crashers sometimes. Some people it's just like, come uh, crashing in. You Kanye know? when Taylor Swift won the award. Right, exactly. Like, I can't remember anything actually exciting happening at the Oscars recently because um, it's been quite some time since anyone's allowed anything spontaneous to ever happen. So yeah. it's, uh, I think the last one was when Ellen Ellen's contrived ordering of pizza happened. <laughs> you know, um, 
but it looks like right now they're getting ready to present because I have the live uh, broadcast happening right next to me. And, and my TV does not quite allow for that. For well, me like you're see. in the theater itself. So they probably That's wouldn't true. want like extra broadcasts going on. So they don't, they want competing broadcasts inside the theater, but it looks That's like we true. got, yeah, we, I have uh, Daniel Kalua, Kaluuya and somebody, it looks like we're going to get the best, um, looks like we're going to get the best supporting actress uh, Oscar is being presented right now. Hmm. I couldn't tell you who these people are because I didn't see anything other than the best picture movies. So we're looking at Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, uh, Ariana DeBose, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, uh, Miss DeBose, in West Side Story. She plays um, Bernardo's uh, fiance. And then yeah, um, Judy is, Dench. Uh, yeah. She's the she best part Anita. of the movie. She's great. She is. And then uh, we got Judy Dench in Belfast. Uh, her cameo in Belfast, for some reason, was fucking nominated. Uh, Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog. And Fuck then that uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, and then Anjane Ellis. I think it's Anjane is how you pronounce her name. Anjane Ellis from uh, King Richard, <laughs> which is one of the best one of the best picture movies that I didn't watch because I don't want, I love Will Smith and all, but I don't want to encourage his give me an Oscar campaign. I just don't want to do it. And I feel like with that movie, that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, with this, I so the character Anita from West Side Story has a uh, a long tradition of winning Academy Awards. The actress that played her originally is one of the people that has, I think, won all four Academy Awards: won an Oscar, a Tony, a Grammy, and and. Which one am I missing? It's a Grammy and Oscar and um, a Tony. It's an EGOT. It's Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and a Tony. Okay. I was going to say GOAT. I was like, wait, what's the A one? <laughs> that one doesn't work. It's EGOT. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure she's fine. She, I, I wouldn't be angry if she won. Like, I'd be fine with it. But mm -hmm. like, as long as Kirsten Dunst doesn't win it, because that power of the dog is not a good movie it's not. It, it's it's a sneaky sequel to brokeback mountain and i i don't appreciate that they they hid that fact from everybody <laughs> <laughs> all right so daniel kalu is about to is about to open the uh, envelope and it looks like we got up oh, oh west side story girl one so um, we have uh i think have, she uh, was the odds on favorite yep so we have uh ariana debose or debose or I don't know. I'm sorry for uh, Ariana one. There you go. <laughs> and I don't mean Granda, although for some reason she's probably there too, <laughs> because we've had a Beyonce performance because sure. Why not? It's the Oscars. Why not have Beyonce? And I don't hate that pick for best supporting actress. I thought That's she fine. did very well. I in the movie. It's don't, fine. Don't hate the pick. Nah, she's good. I mean, I'm not, a, I West side story's direction was amazing because it's Spielberg, but everything else about it didn't need to happen. Like the whole movie didn't need to exist. You know, it's, it's one more retelling of West side story. We didn't need, but it's also the trillionth retelling of Romeo and Juliet. We didn't need, you know, we just don't need that, that story anymore. Also and, there was the guy that played uh, Tony and it was, I, I know there's like the issues against him personally, but I also just thought he was not good for the role of Tony. It's Angel Elgort. It's Baby Driver, you know? And uh, yeah, he's he's had some accusations. Uh, I think they're still ongoing, but they're from like five or six years ago, I think. And um, yeah, don't know uh, what this deal is with that. I know it involves him and a minor of some kind, but uh, 
I'm not going to try to speak on that. Oh, oh, and now, as everyone's going to see, the famous fishbowl that Mike had drinks his beers out of. Uh, as you can see, only the best gl- glass designer, Dave and Bustairs. <laughs> <laughs> a, a foreign couple uh, of brothers from um, from the Philadelphia region, I believe they're called. But uh, but Mike, now that you've taken a sip, and I've been taking sips all over the place, we didn't even do what we usually do on this show. So what are instead of what we're wearing, what are you drinking, Mike? Okay, so I am drinking Forgotten Boardwalk Brewing in. Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I'm one. drinking Galloping Ghosts, and it is a Scotch ale. Now I don't know why, but I feel like if you go to the Oscars, you're gonna have a Scotch, which is why I picked it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say something about uh, Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Scotch, the Scotsman that was always there. <laughs> and Sean Connery now wins Best Supporting Actor for <laughs> Highlander Two. <laughs> <laughs> all the other performances were so lackluster they went back in time nearly 35 years <laughs> to try to give an oscar to sean connery <laughs> for a movie he really wasn't in he was only kind of in <laughs> for ramirez <laughs> oh and 20 minutes later her uh, acceptance speech is over so we at least have those to look forward to <laughs> they oh, yeah. cut out like 20 stupid categories but i guess they're gonna let them go for 15 minutes when they talk that's what the last thing that was interesting at the Oscars was when uh, Ricky Gervais basically told off all of Hollywood. That was the Oscars, right? I, I think it was both. It was definitely the Golden Globes. I know that. That yeah, might have been the Golden Globes. Um, I don't know if he ever did. I don't know if they ever tried to make him have him host the Oscars, but he would have definitely pulled the same shtick had yeah. they had him do that. All right. So, Mike, we got a commercial break here. I am to, I am drinking. I've gone back to Zed's. Uh, Zed's Brewing in Marlton, and now I'm drinking there. Zed's on the front porch, which is an American lager. And what's more American than giving shiny gold statues to people who pretend to be other people uh, for our <laughs> entertainment? <laughs> that, I think, is one of the most quintessentially American things ever, even though all of these people that will probably win tonight are not American, <laughs> except for Will Smith, who they're just going to hand a makeup Oscar to for not giving him one 21 years ago when he did Ali. <laughs> But, all right, so we're in commercial. Let's discuss. We're gonna, well, our whole plan tonight was to discuss the best pictures, essentially. Like this whole sort of watching the Oscars at the same time didn't really come about until like tonight. Yeah. So why don't we discuss the best picture nominees? Mike, what you watched, what did you watch of the 10 films that are nominated? So I watched. I'm pulling up the full list. I was going to say, Mike, this is now a visual medium, so people can see you Googling. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you do the list? Here's the list. So, Licorice Pizza. Watched. West Side Story. Watched. Belfast. Watched. Nightmare Alley. Watched. Dune. Watched. King Richard. Did not watch. Drive My Car. Watched. Don't Look Up. Watched. Power of the Dog. Watched. Coda. Did not watch. Okay. So you said the craziest thing to me, which was you actually watched Drive My Car. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm all about Japanese, Korean films. So, yeah, which is weird because I would have thought you would have put up like the whatever, like the Japanese theater equivalent is of the Oscars, like behind you. <laughs> like, I don't know if that even exists, but I'm sure they have something over there like that, like a big prominent theater. But, um, uh, so you watch Drive My Car. Now, this, this is people who don't know, is a three-hour movie about a guy driving, listening to his dead wife read Uncle Vanya. Yeah. 
And that's about it, right? Pretty much. Yeah, there's really not a lot to it. Like, you don't actually get the story introduced until halfway through the movie, it feels like. Jesus Christ, um, an hour and a half in? <laughs> oh now, I, I actually liked it better than a handful of the other nominees, but I generally did not like the best picture nominees overall this year there's a couple or there's two i like one i loved one i liked two or three that i thought were okay and then the rest were garbage yeah um the two that i didn't watch well three i didn't watch one i said king richard i didn't watch because like i said the previous will smith thing give me not i don't want to support his give me an oscar campaign like put a do a movie where you're playing an actual character, not a real life person that you can just mimic, and then I you can I can give you an, an attempt at an Oscar. Uh, see, he tried that with American Beauty, and it just or not American Beauty. What was it? Um, is the one where he gets visited, and they think he's gonna get visited by like three ghosts. One of them is uh <laughs> the Legend of Beggar Vance. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no, he's the ghost in that one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I forget what it was called, but um, it it wasn't great. I mean, the last I I haven't. I'm just going off the top of my head here. The last Oscar winning movie he was involved with, I think, was Suicide Squad. <laughs> I think that oh, yeah, was the did, last. They did win for makeup or something. It was like right? makeup or effects or something like that. Just the I fact that won that movie makeup. won an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. He should have been nominated for that, <laughs> you know? It's like, if you're going to give it to him for playing Venus and Serena Williams' dad, you know, fuck you. He's just playing an old version of Will Smith at that point, who happens to be a jerk-off, you know? <laughs> Collab- like, not American Beauty, Collateral Beauty. Like collateral that. Beauty, that's it. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 that movie. Then there was, like, Pursuit of Happiness was another one where he tried. But, that again, that's another based off a true story, you know? Now, I don't hate, I, like, Pursuit of Happiness, I actually thought that was a pretty good movie that's where he gets to um he gets to show off his wonderful um mimicking of denzel's crying but not crying face you know it's like the stone-faced cry (laughs) he does that a lot denzel is is perfect he's the perfect one that does that but will smith also does it really well unfortunately his version of it became a meme But Denzel's now, is perfect. It's great. Denzel is nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role for his rendition on Macbeth. Yes, which I've heard that the tragedy of Macbeth is supposed to be amazing. Like it that was just really good. I did out amazing. I'm, I'm actually shocked it wasn't nominated, you know, for Best Picture because that, that's got almost everything that the Academy looks for. It's got, you know... A, a retelling of a Shakespeare epic, you know, it's, it's got a creative spin on that epic and it's got every Oscar winner ever in it. Apparently, you That's, know, I also, so I have a fundamental issue. This applies to uh, Macbeth and it applies to West side story for those movies being nominated for best picture. Like I have an issue with retellings or like, Oh, West side stories, best picture. I'm like, well, yeah, one, it didn't, what 1960 uh it's been one of the most successful running plays on broadway it's a tried and true we know this story works we know it don't award it anymore (laughs) yeah i mean even though spielberg does direct the hell out of it 
like my biggest problems, obviously, other than the fact that it didn't need to be retold was just the simple fact that, yeah, great. There's, there's a lot of Oscar hallmarks in that too. And it's the, the racism in that it's, it's fundamental to the story. And that's part of the reason it did have to be retold. So uh, yeah, the story is fundamentally racist and it has to be like, and that's, that's the whole point of it, you know? But I think they wanted to do, because the first one, most of the sharks were in brown face like they were not yeah they weren't actually puerto rican actors you know well and the lead who plays uh maria's maria right she's not actually puerto rican either i don't believe she's some other uh latin or latina um descent (laughs) and um but yeah it's it's that the racism and then there's the fact that and I'm all for representation. It's great. We definitely need more of it in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have a trans character in that movie do literally nothing except scream racial slurs at one point and then just kind of be around, just generally being around. And I don't mean that like in a weird way. She's literally, or he, it, they it, are literally just in the movie. They're shown on screen once or twice and then they disappear and then they show up in the background of a screen of a shot then they then spielberg focuses on them for another shot then they have they scream racial slurs in the jail scene and then they disappear and then they come back at the end they have two lines and then they run away into the night and it's what are we doing like spielberg you clearly wanted to include this character for some reason why didn't you include that character you know it's 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 the irony of inclusion. You wanted to include them, yet you did not. <laughs> you know, even that's, though they're on screen. <laughs> that's the other thing with West Side Story in general. Who are you supposed to like? Tell me one character that you are supposed to at least be remotely fond of. I mean, the the romantics will say Tony and Maria because it's a love that transcends blah blah blah. And no. Their Ansel Elgort is not that good of an actor to play this role up, and she is not that good of an actress to play the role. You know, it should have been the system. And then that just also, won, if you just look at the actress. characters, one killed a guy, the other fucked him immediately after he killed her brother. <laughs> that was the weirdest scene. That was so weird. It was like we were watching it. My wife and Karen and I were watching it, and it was right after it happened. And then all of a sudden, it was like, okay, you're we're sad that he's dead. You've been you're sad and all that. I guess it's sex time now <laughs> because it was almost immediately after. <laughs> and it's not like, like he stabbed him. So there's blood on his hands and he did not stop to wash off. Right. Exactly. It's so bad. And uh, best sound just won. And who cares who, what it was? <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was one of the Dune categories. I think best sound, didn't it? I thought I saw that. I don't know. I thought it was one of the categories that they dumped to the last night's broadcast, you know, but oh, well, yeah. I guess we got to get these guys in there. Because I guess they're the responsible for the music tonight's show anyway. So you might as well put them on the big dance. But yeah, when that sex scene happened, now here's the thing. All right, here's what we got to get into. Every Oscar movie usually, and it's more often than not, has some sort of weird Oscar-y moment to it. And by Oscar-y moment, I'll point to the most obvious one in Shape of Water. When it's woman fucks fish man, woman fingers herself in the bathtub in the beginning of the start the movie. Like it's weird shit like that. And then with these movies, Licorice Pizza, 
doesn't have anything like that. It's just it's just about Hollywood, essentially, like adjacent to Hollywood. Because the, the kid, well, Philip Seymour Hoffman's fundamental story is in itself an Oscar moment. It's a 15-year-old guy trying to seduce a 26-year-old girl. Which, creepy, still illegal, even in 1973. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Cooper Hoffman was great. He is definitely... In in the running to becoming his dad at one point, you know, his dad was a late Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's on his way. I could see the magnetic personality of this guy. He's got star quality. Alana Haim, on the other hand, who is of the band Haim, she I don't care what anybody says, and everyone's saying that she's a star in making. No, she is un, fundamentally unlikable. Maybe it's just this role, but she is fundamentally unlikable as that character, and. If, granted, if that's her acting and making her unlikable, more power to her. She's going to be a star. But if it's not, and it's just her, which it is because the character's named the same thing as her, come on. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> like, the movie itself, like, I don't get all the praise it's getting. I really don't. It's it a two and a half boring. hour jerk off session. <laughs> it was boring. So fucking boring. Well, you know what, who it wouldn't be boring to? Uh, Gen Xers and early, young boomers who grew up in the 70s. And guess what? That's who made the movie. That's who the movie is being awarded little gold statues by. You know? I mean, even like, like there are period movies that are like, um, everybody wants some. I, 1980s college baseball team. Yeah. Much more enjoyable to watch. Right. Characters are likable. <laughs> yeah. And it's entertaining. Like, I don't care. The, the only part, there was there were two parts that I enjoyed of Licorice Pizza. One of which was um, Bradley Cooper as John Peters. I thought that was hilarious. I thought he was good. He was great as just this asshole. But I wanted to see him completely destroy them for, you know, as he says, did you fuck up my house? <laughs> and yes, they did. <laughs> so I wanted to see him just beat the hell out of Cooper Hoffman. But then the weird thing is with, that movie there's another part that i was laughing at which i don't know why i, I found entertaining was leonardo dicaprio's dad as a waterbed salesman yeah <laughs> i found that guy endlessly entertaining i don't know why because he's only in the movie for about a minute and a half That's <laughs> but i found him to be one of the best parts of the movie <laughs> this movie could not pick a fucking lane they'd no. introduce a plot thing it'd go away they'd introduce a new plot thing it'd go away it'd like it was just it seemed like an eclectic gathering of ideas loosely tied around the central focus of a 15 year old wanting to fuck a 26 year old right and it being an almost like like one of those situations where it's like if i just persist more enough she'll eventually come around and it's like that's not how it works dude that in the 70s that's the mentality but come on man that does not hold up and Paul Thomas Anderson, you got to know that that doesn't hold up. But the thing is, it's everyone that says this movie's just a genius bout of filmmaking are the people that grew up in that time where they're, they're just fondly looking at it from nostalgic eyes. And it's like, look at it from a modern filmmaking point of view. There's no story. And if that's the point, perfect. Great. I love it because it had no story. <laughs> you nailed it. I hated yeah. it, but you nailed Destroyed it. Destroyed it. Yeah. But there's just so there's just so much to not like about the movie, especially the fact that he's supposed to be 15 and he somehow starts two businesses in the span of, I'm guessing, three months. <laughs> and then also, like, 
very early in the movie, she starts to date one of the guys that he works with. That dude, that actor, I'm, I'm going to look up his name because he's great. He's in the, the Righteous Gemstones. He plays Gideon in the Righteous Gemstones. He's awesome. I love that actor. He's just but so how cool. old was he supposed to be? Is well, he that's simple- the thing. I think he's one of the other um, child actors. But the thing is, he's a child actor that's become a like, that's actually transitioning to be like an actual actor, you know, to being an adult actor. Whereas Cooper Hoffman is still going out for roles that little kids would be going out with. Because there's audition scenes where he's against like 10 year olds. You know, that's, I think that's meant to show like just the fickleness of Hollywood and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, no, it's just dumb because clearly he's talented and everyone knows him in the nepotism of Hollywood. He w- given that he is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son too, which is a double irony, you know, the nepotism of Hollywood, he would absolutely still have a career going forward if he was half as likable as these people think he is, <laughs> you know? And it's it, that's one of the more annoying things. The other annoying thing was having seen Tom Waits attempting to be an actor and we got to stop making that guy a thing. We just mm-hmm. got to stop. I mean, I don't care how many hipsters I anger with that, but we got to stop trying the Tom Waits experiment. It doesn't work. He's not talented. I don't care what you say. And the one line that actually had me cracking up was when she walks into the house in like her bra and underwear, and the dad just goes, "Hey, what the fuck? What the fuck?" Yeah, and that's like her actual dad too, which made it even funnier because apparently the rumors are true. That was him ad libbing that. <laughs> that was just his genuine reaction. It's like, well, that's perfect. But it's uh, Skylar Gisondo is the actor's name, and uh, he plays Gideon in Righteous Gemstones. But as I'm scrolling through, there's there is one, there's two scenes that this movie is rightfully getting shit for, <clears throat> and it's when John Michael Higgins, who plays Jerry Frick, uh, the owner of Mikado, he has two Japanese wives in this movie. Mm-hmm. They speak Japanese because they're Japanese. He speaks to them in like mickey rooney breakfast at tiffany's stereotypical asian oh yes sir like like that and it comes out of nowhere it is no has no bearing on anything and it disappears without leaving does it but does it ironically right but at least in south park right but at least in south park it's he's still a character and he's still the story yeah. There's these two scenes you can remove from this movie and make no difference whatsoever. It's almost as if Paul Thomas Anderson wanted to be offensive to Asian people and then left, the, then did it, you know? <laughs> yeah, there, I don't, there's not much redeeming about licorice pizza in my no. eyes. I, I, I did not enjoy it. It took, it, it annoyed me to see more and more actors I like show up in it. Like uh, John C. Riley playing um, a one-off, uncredited little cameo as that dude, like in the booth in the in the job fair, or whatever. And of yeah. course, Mary Elizabeth Ellis, the waitress from It's Always Sunny, plays Cooper Hoffman's mom, and I just wanted so much more from her, and she deserves so much more than this garbage. A, this entire movie, I was like, hey, these guys, these actors are all in it. This should be good, and then they're all in it for approximately five minutes at most combined screen time <laughs> yeah but um yeah it's 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 rough but then of course then let's let's talk about a movie that we actually did like 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 dune which if you're gonna look if in my opinion you're looking at these best picture movies that's your movie right there that's, that's your winner. so that's dune is the only movie 
Nightmare Alley kind of fits the bill too, but what I think a best picture should be. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not a best picture if it's not accessible to 90% of movie going audiences. If 90% of people who enjoy going to the movies leave the movies going, what the fuck did I just watch in a bad way, then it shouldn't be best picture. Birdman is a prime example of what I'm talking about. God. But no, that one I have was... yet to meet someone who liked Birdman. <laughs> right, but that was about Hollywood, done by a guy that they were trying to make a thing. He's Alfonso Cuaron. He's the guy that, um, not Alfonso, it was, I, no, it's not Alfonso Cuaron. It's um, no, somebody else. It was, um, it's the Revenant guy. Yeah, Alejandro. Oh, yeah, Inarazi. that guy. Inarazi, yeah, whatever. He, he's a hack. But he also did the Revenant, and it's like, yeah, Birdman won because it's about Hollywood. It's about actors being in crisis with themselves. And it's done by a guy who thinks he's an auteur. You know, it's let's do a movie as one one take or a hidden one take. And yeah, cool. That's all well and good. But your movie sucks, bro. You know, your movie sucks. And you wasted two great actors in it, in Michael Keaton and Emma Stone. You know, and it's just fuck you. But whereas Dune with Denny Villanueva, that dude deserves all the Oscars because he is a fucking director. <laughs> That's So when I look at what should be a best picture, is it an excellent movie? Obviously, first and foremost, Dune is. Is the directing great? It is. Phenomenal. Was it an ambitious movie that accomplished what it was trying to? It did. Was the acting good? Yes. Were Absolutely. the sets good? Yes. Does everyone I've ever talked to about this movie at least kind of like it? Yes. <laughs> I mean, $400 million would tell you that people have seen it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the other box offices for the rest of the nominees. And here we go. I'm just going to name the other movies that might compare to Dune. I'm sorry. I have to wait a long time to get down to the double digit millions because West Side Story is the closest one at $64 million. Now, I do think, so I do know a lot of, I know a lot of people stream Don't Look Up. Well, they, you had to, it was a Netflix movie, yeah. <laughs> you know? It was a Netflix movie. But I don't know, so like in, in terms of money, I, I'm still not sure how that adjusts for earnings. The number I saw box office wise, because it does, I think the rule still stands, you have to have this thing in the, in the, uh, in the theaters for like a week or two. Um, don't look up made $791,863. And I know, but what I'm Netflix. saying with the streaming is I'm not sure that quite accurately showed. Like, I think in a year where movies were still coming out in theaters, I would think that that is, would be like a 40 or $50 million box office movie. I mean, they could have at least waited and released it like normally in a theater you know just do that if you want it if you think this is going to be your oscar movie because okay hey let's talk about don't look up i hated that movie i fucking hated it it. but the thing is i agreed with everything it was saying i just hated the way it was saying it oh it's like the most contrived like it's like a guy with a very low iq looked at everything going on in the world and he was like hey i understand this I'm going to write it down. <laughs> it's Adam McKay being up his own ass. Mm-hmm. And like, look how great I am. Look how funny I used to be. But this time I'm no longer funny. 
and everything in that movie that's supposed to be funny, like Jonah Hill's asshole first kid. I to this at this point, I don't care what anybody says about the real Jonah Hill. I'm sure he's to somebody he's a nice guy. He's just too good at being a complete dickhead on screen to yes. not be a dickhead off screen. And I get it. It's supposed to like Meryl Streep is supposed to be Donald Trump and Sarah Palin combined. And he's supposed to be every Trump kid. But I get it. Like, you don't need to hit me with the mallet that hard, dude. You and know, you have what the CEO that's supposed to be like, yeah, Jeff Bezos. Jeff, and he, or he, it's like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk and Steve Jobs rolled into one. Yeah. You know, it's like we get it. And oh, yeah, he's on the spectrum. We get it. Like everyone gets it, dude. But the thing is, you're being you're so condescending. You are so over the top. Fuck you. I'm smarter than you. And I'm better than you with this message that even the people that agree with you, me, I agree with what you're saying. I hate you for saying it the way you're doing it, though. You are going about it all wrong. <laughs> now, I, mean, I do at least enjoy DiCaprio. Oh, well, yeah, because he's, he's at Leo. least he's at least appropriate for the movie. You know, Jennifer Lawrence, as much as I don't like her in most things, her character is at least fine for what the movie is. She's reacting like somebody would react in that situation. You'd be like, are you people fucking insane? We're all going to die. Why are you being so casual about this? And she would definitely lose her mind on national television. And then she would be made a meme. She'd be made a pariah. And she would be laughed at a laughingstock out of out of modern society, you know? But you don't need to say it the way you're doing it, Adam McKay, because I hate you for doing it. You're a condescending prick. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely like, I have a feeling that this movie is going to be like the movie people go, how did that not win Best Picture? <laughs> I hope it's not, because if it wins, it's Green Book again, is what it is. It's just Green Book again. You know, it's like we, we feel good. Because we're, we're quote unquote saying something mm -hmm. and we're rewarding those people who were saying it. And it's like, yeah. yeah, but it's a terrible movie and it's awful. The message of it is bad. The delivery of the message is awful. You're just jerking off at this point. You're giving Leonardo another Oscar adjacent movie. You know, you're giving Jennifer Lawrence another Oscar of involved movie. You know, you're giving Adam McKay a movie. Oh, I'm sorry. I must I must interrupt the fact that we're getting the most important presentation right now from Tony Hawk, Sean White, and Kelly Slater. You know those famous actors that everyone has grown up loving as hey, actors? All I know is, is I'd rather have Tony Hawk than anyone else you've said so far. Yeah. Yeah, I would rather have Tony Hawk read his tweets about people not recognizing him as Tony Hawk than even have Amy Schumer within the limits of the Los Angeles, city of Los Angeles. God, I hate her so much. <laughs> yeah, I terrible. cannot stand her. And I don't know why Kelly Slater's there, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I, and he, I don't think he's actually said anything. He's probably just there because he looks like an Oscar statue now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm telling you people, Google Kelly Slater surfer and tell me he doesn't look like an Oscar statue. <laughs> but what are we doing? Like, what are we doing with this presentation? Of course they're going to give it to Don't Look Up after all this. <laughs> it, it would not shock me if they gave it to Don't Look Up. That's, well, that's, so Dune fits the bill of Mad Max Fury Road. 
the movie that clearly deserves to win it, but won't because it's too much of a blockbuster. <clears throat> and that's the thing. What is the problem with nominating movies people enjoy? Yeah. And like, I'm looking at the list here. And I, like I've said before, the reason I didn't watch Drive My Car, not because it's Japanese, not because it's a foreign language movie, the simple fact that it's three hours of a guy driving, listening to his dead wife, listening to his dead wife read a book or a play or whatever. I I, I have no interest in seeing that. I'm sure That's, three hours later, I'd be like, well, that was a movie. <laughs> and then like a real good example of why I actually kind of chose to watch it is Parasite. I thought Parasite absolutely deserved best. Parasite ruled. That was a great movie. It was incredible. But no, my car was six out of 10 at best. I mean, and, and then there's something like Coda. Coda, 1.1 million at the box office. It was exclusively on Apple TV. Like, I get it, Apple. You're trying to enter the streaming wars. I get it. But I don't need a Disney Channel Hallmark feel-good movie about children of deaf adults again all for inclusion but do not give me this schmaltzy horse shit i don't want it <laughs> you know and then I, again not... i was looking at that and i like sound sound of metal was i love sound of metal see i'm on the other end of it it's like sound of metal was just fine and i get it 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 per- works perfectly for that even though the title in and of itself to me is wrong because he does not play metal he plays sound of literally just sound of metal you know <laughs> not heavy metal it's just the sound of what metal scraping on metal is but sound of what yoko ono would have been like if she made music in- <laughs> yeah, if, she, if she were actually allowed to keep making music until like that's the one thing american like well world society got right is collectively ignoring her music after <laughs> after uh 1969 or whatever but there's there, there's so much I don't care about. And then when it comes to something like the power of the dog, all right, power of the dog. It's a Western quote unquote, even though it was filmed in New Zealand, it stars a cowboy who's actually a British man, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch, famously a cowboy character. <laughs> and then Sherlock Holmes is a cowboy, right? Of course, of course he is. Or a Dr. Stephen Strange. Cowboy Strange, yeah, we, we all know him as Cowboy Strange, but that whole movie, Jesse Plemons is just Jesse Plemons in that movie, he's not playing a character, he's just Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst is doing her normal crying acting that she always does, um, Benedict Cumberbatch's movie is him clearly being a repressed gay man, not able to be actually gay around his cowboy buddies, even though everything they do is very homoerotic, he Here's, a, here's the be, the best Oscar moment in the movie. He masturbates while smelling his dead mentor slash boy, ex-boyfriend's scarf. <laughs> and he does it in this like secret field that he has, like in this weird clearing of trees. There you go. There's your Oscar moment. But the rest of the movie is just boring. It's boring and it's Brokeback Mountain 2, except Heath Ledger is already dead when we start our film. You know, <laughs> it, that's it. Cody Smith McPhee is fine for the character he plays, but he his story arc doesn't really go anywhere. He just starts <laughs> off being made fun of, then becomes a cowboy, and then in the biggest part of the movie that I thought they should have at least spent a little more time um, supporting, he may or may not have purposely killed Benedict Cumberbatch's Yeah. Time. And 
it's it's one of those things where it's like wait that it was, <laughs> what it was anthrax from the dead animal the anthrax from the dead cow that he pulled the pelt off of which we are told numerous times Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't fuck with he doesn't fuck with dead cows because of anthrax he only takes it living or whatever and right there so you're like oh was this like a sneaky revenge thing for him hate for Benedict Cumberbatch hating his McPhee's mom and then like making fun of him and is is that what that was but then why were they best friends like for a little bit in this movie he didn't even show like ulterior looks or devious faces or anything like he yeah. just looked like he was being a cowboy for a while you know what are we doing <laughs> you're not gonna you can't right. sneakily add a movie to this boring piece of shit at the very end <laughs> <laughs> now one thing i can say for power of the dog has one redeeming quality the scenery in it looks fucking awesome oh yeah it's great cinematography a plus awesome new zealand looks great as montana you know <laughs> but it's just so boring and again like all of these movies except belfast so long yeah so long i mean dune needed to be almost three hours yeah, because and it was entertaining like i never found myself looking at the clock with Dune. never and the best part is it's only part one so yeah. like he took his time unlike david lynch who I love that movie for how bad and terrible and weird it is because it's David Lynch, the dude's the man. But that 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 original '80s Dune is no, it's no good. But if he was no, given, this is like this is almost the science fiction, science fantasy version of like Lord of the Rings. Like you could he Peter Jackson the hell out of it. He. He took yeah. something that people thought was not like you could not make a good movie out of because of how in depth it was, and he put it to the screen perfectly. Unadaptable is the famous is the famous word thrown around that book, uh, Frank Herbert's book. Unadapt I mean, unadaptable. If you don't know, Dune is like the science fiction novel. Yeah, it inspired most of it is Star Wars ripped off by George Lucas to become Star Wars. You know, there's it's. It's one of those move, one of those books where you need a long time to develop the story and tell it properly. Which, weirdly enough, go figure, Denny Villeneuve is give, getting the opportunity to do. <laughs> and part one, successful as hell. You know, part two, probably going to be more so because people will be back in the theater to see it. <laughs> Which he he also gets my pick for the best director. Like Dune is my best picture. Villanueva. Now, the one movie that I almost considered picking as best for best director was a uh, Tick Tick Boom. Uh, who directed that? Um, it I know it's was... Garfield. Garfield got nominated for best actor. Yeah, it was. Um, I want to say Lin Manuel. Yeah, Lin Manuel. Miranda. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is him. Yeah, that is Lin Manuel. Uh, that was actually probably my second or third favorite movie that was like getting nominations. It wasn't nominated for Best Picture, but um, I uh, Garfield got nominated for Best Actor, and he is my pick for Best like Best Actor in a Leading Role. Garfield would get my pick for that movie. Yeah, and I'm looking at the the broadcast right now. Uh, Dos Orequitos from Encanto is being played right now, and cool 
great song to pick from that movie. It's the perfect Oscar song from that movie because it's sad, depressing, and it's the arty song. <laughs> you know, a, so many better songs up, from it, though. <laughs> that brings up another major problem I have with the Oscars, which is the best, it's the best animated feature film award. Because I feel like it almost detracts from animated feature films. Because, like, oh, they weren't good enough to compete with the live-action films? Now, they consistently make more money. They consistently make more people happy. And they consistently have everyone talking about them. Now, there is the argument to be made that they, it's a different medium. Animated films and live-action films are a different medium and should be judged differently. And to that, I will respond, okay, but then the best picture should be called the best live action picture. And then there should be best animated picture. And if we're going to go by the fact that animated is completely different, then we should only nominate movies that do not use any digital effects whatsoever for best picture. Because every one of these movies in some way uses digital effects. Yeah. In some way, whether it be barely anything or just touching things up or completely creating an entire world like Dune. These movies all use visual effects, all use visual effects in some way. And if we're not going to count animated features, we should hit a hard line in the sand that way too, you know? That's the other thing with the animated feature is it almost feels like, what's the Disney or Pixar movie that came out this year? Well, that's the thing. I'm looking at the nominees. We got Encanto. We have Luca. We have Raya and the Last Dragon. And then there is Flea, which is F-L-E-E, and then The Mitchells versus The Machines. I'm going to just go ahead and throw it out there to the world. Um, anybody, tell me what Flea or The Mitchells versus The Machines is. Anybody. I Literally anyone can tell me, and I guarantee it's going to take a while for somebody to tell me who they, what they are without Googling. <laughs> now, Ross, I'm sure you know what my pick is. Ryan and the Last Dragon. A movie that's not nominated. Oh, it's probably uh, Mugen Train, right? Yeah. Demon Slayer, yeah. But still, like, why not that? Why not that? Like, it's the most, like, successful animated movie of the year. Why not at least make that a qualifying factor? Even that, even if you choose not to do animated, which I don't see why you wouldn't nominate for animated movie, but foreign film. Why was it not nominated for Best Foreign Film? Because it's the most successful foreign film in America ever. Ever. Right. You know why it wasn't? Because it's anime. And that shit is cartoons. And the Academy will never recognize it as being an actual movie because it's an extension of a television show. <laughs> Even though the animation in it, I would argue, is better than the anime. Like... I, I think it's more visually pleasing to look at than the 3D animations for Disney and Pixar at the moment. Well, that's the thing. It's like Luca and Encanto kind of all look, both look the same. Like they have very similar character designs and it's one is more about Colombia. One's about Italy, you know, it's and, now, and one's the, monsters that one's magic. It, they're the same fucking movie. <laughs> now you, <laughs> you did get of the nominated movies. You did guess which one I would pick for the winner. Raya. Raya in the last year. Yeah, it looks like they're about to give that award out right now. So, um, so we'll have it live on Thursday. I, I'm <laughs> willing to bet in Canto wins, but Ryan, the last dragon would be my pick. 
Uh, well, I'm looking to see who's hugging who here, and I'm just seeing a bunch of white people, so I'm going to go ahead and say it's not Encanto. But um, I don't see Lin-Manuel Miranda. I just see a bunch of white people uh, trying to – they're not popping anything up because why would they? We're not trying to say who's going on here. Um, but, yeah, I am willing to bet it is – wait, it is Encanto. It looks like Encanto won. So – Good for them. <laughs> another I mean, Disney win. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's another Disney win. It's but, it's Disney or Pixar. You know, it's not, it wasn't going to be Flea or the Mitchells versus whatever the fuck. Occasionally, like, that's what the best animated picture is. It's whatever the most popular Disney or Pixar movie is with the occasional upset from a Studio Ghibli movie. Or Shrek to start it off. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn Shrek. <laughs> That's like there's there's just so much about that. It's and then you mentioned like the um why doesn't animated get nominated for best picture? Why doesn't a performance and it didn't happen obviously this year, but I'm just gonna mention why doesn't something like Andy Circus as Caesar in Planet of the Apes or as Gollum get a nomination for best actor? Why not? Because he was the motion capture for the character. No, dude was acting in that motion capture. When you watch those new Planet of the Apes movies, he is Caesar. Yeah. You forget that you're watching a computer version of a monkey. You yeah. think you're watching a real monkey, and it is tough to forget. Why? Because of Andy Serkis. The man needs his own fucking award simply for being am and amazing himself, let alone a Best Actor Award, which he <laughs> deserved at least twice in my eyes. <laughs> Now, it's crazy because, like, with the animated thing, on the other side of the coin, there are the Crunchyrolls Anime Awards that happen in February. Now, they will not include any not Asian origin animated shows. Okay, where are those held? Because that should have been your background. <laughs> <laughs> They are, uh, they are in California, I think. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're in LA somewhere. Yeah. Or San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. But yeah, like um, the big thing this year was people thought Arcane should have been nominated for some of the animated show awards. But because it's from a, because it's an adaptation of a video game made by an American animation company, it was not nominated for any awards. Right. Now, again, speaking of, oh, my God, I'm looking at whatever they're doing right now on screen, and it involves a countdown of some sort of action scenes, I guess. The most recent, the number, it's number top five. Number five is from The Matrix from 1999 for some reason. And then they have, um, they have the three Spider-Men swinging into action in No Way Home. That's number two. Number one is the flash at the end of, it, I don't think it's the Snyder cut. I think it's the actual, like the original one, like the 2017 Justice League of the Flash doing something. So I'm, I'm guessing they were doing some sort of effects thing. But let's talk about that. Why? And it's, it. I know they're doing it at some point. They felt they fall into popular opinion, and they, they've given them the popular Oscar category. It's a fan vote. It means nothing. No one gets anything from it. It's just garbage from the Academy trying to trying to please people on the internet. But still, why isn't something like 
let's say Spider-Man No Way Home or Shang-Chi or The Matrix Resurrections? Why isn't something like that nominated um, for more than just effects? You know, Matrix Resurrections just wasn't good. Well, Matrix Resurrections was better than it should have been, and it's better than half the best picture movies. Half of the best picture movies. And that, I would go so far as to say it's better than about eight of them. <laughs> but I'm in agreement with Shang-Chi and Spider-Man No well, Way Home. Well, been my done. point is the popular part of it. Why aren't they nominated for something more than just effects? You know, or just makeup or costumes? Mm-hmm. Is it because the Marvel movies are made in a literal green warehouse? Is that it? Like, do you need to have a physical set to actually do this? No. <laughs> They would never do it, but I think Suicide Squad or should have been nominated. The Suicide Squad should have been nominated. Not the one that actually won an Oscar for Apex. That god-awful piece of crap. But no, but yeah, again, why not that? These are movies that people enjoyed. They're (laughs) movies that people saw, you know? Again, looking at you, don't look up with your 791,000 box office, your drive my car with your 3.1 million box office, even King Richard and Nightmare Alley combined $54 million at the box office combined. That's absurd to me. You and then licorice pizza, 21.3 people can't stop raving about it yet. No one saw it. It's, it's so Nightmare Alley, I think, is another one that's the box office is more of an issue of the theater industry outside of Marvel and Disney is just not doing that well. Well, that's because Marvel's taken over. Marvel has completely destroyed anything original coming through the cinema because no one's going to go see something like Nightmare Alley by a guy like Guillermo del Toro because they either know they've heard of previous films he's done and be like well that he's a weird guy he makes weird movies it's like well he makes beautiful and creative movies is what and he does. Guillermo del Toro is one of my all-time favorite directors and he's amazing he makes some of the most original shit out there even when he's adapting something like Hellboy it's an original adaptation of it oh yeah I he when he did the uh what's Hellboy 2 Golden Army or something yeah 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 that was a total passion project for him. Absolutely. Now, granted, I'm not I'm not huge on fish fucking. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Mike, not huge on fish fucking. <laughs> I'm, go, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I'm not either. <laughs> but we are pro spectrophilia. <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, waiting to hear from you people, you cannibals and spectrophiliacs, you necrophiliacs. Stay in your lane. I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> now I will I will hear the debate of if it is the ghost of a dead person possessing their corpse to have sex with you. I'm curious. I, I don't know where that falls on the grayscale, but it seems consensual, so I guess it's fine. <laughs> yeah, as long as the ghost is into it, you know, it's that's the important part. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the real difference between necrophilia and spectrophilia spectrophilia you have to, like a human's not initiating sex with a ghost the ghost has to initiate yeah, it's all consent you know it's it's neon demon versus the blowjob semen ghostbusters you know it's, <laughs> it's really they are two different things you know and but then there's but like again we mentioned nightmare alley and 
the acting in that phenomenal again Guillermo del Toro's world is incredibly realized and it's amazing but and I would absolutely I think it is a beautiful looking movie so it looks awesome and it would absolutely be my pick for best cinematography absolutely if if it doesn't win I would Dune should win you know it's it's something like that or even my pick for like the uh the best original screenplay yeah, because it is, well, it is based off a book. I think there is an original book because nothing is wholly original anymore, but yeah. it is it is based off a book, I'm fairly certain. But if, All right, so if that's not in the original screenplay, if it's best adaptive screenplay, then I, I think Dune wins best adaptive, adaptive yeah, screenplay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, then I guess original screenplay, I'd probably go with Belfast, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, sure, it's, it's Kenneth Branagh, Again, Belfast was fine, but I think Branagh should have at least, even though it was short, this is where like the running time does work against it because give him another half an hour. I'm willing to bet we could add a little bit more lived in experience of the troubles in Northern Ireland of the time, mm-hmm. instead of just two scenes where a little bit of rioting happens, you know, it's, there was a lot more going on and a lot more could have been shown, but it could have been a little bit more grisly, but I think he was going for a more, feel goodish type of story for that you know it tells the story but it doesn't tell the story so everyone can see it and not feel bad you know that's belfast it's fine it's not great but i think of the best picture nominees it's probably third best or so yeah it's it's probably fine kenneth brown i would have no problem i wouldn't i wouldn't have a problem with it winning i just wouldn't you know, I wouldn't necessarily agree. You know? I, just, I feel like Dune is so far away the correct choice this year. Absolutely, which is why it won't win. Yeah. Because recently, aside from Parasite, the the Academy's given that award to the people that don't deserve it, you know, to movies that simply don't deserve it. Green Book being the biggest offender of that and once you give a movie like green book the best picture you effectively render every decision you make after that completely irrelevant just completely irrelevant you have shown yourself to be completely out of touch with literally everything ever and you do not deserve to continue giving out little gold men to people which is why we're (laughs) here because we're telling you the real oscar we are so now mike let's get into it your best picture of 2021 what was it dune and it's not close yeah i mean yeah (laughs) that's really all it is i would go so far as to add either i had my issues with spider-man no way home but i would also add something like the suicide squad in as well you know because i would even go so far as shang chi because i think the action sequences in that movie are so incredible that should be a, a, and it's a little more MTV award movie awardsy, but that should be a category in and of itself. Best action scene, like best action best choreography. Yeah, choreography, I think, is an Oscar way of putting. Right. They really thought out this fight scene. Yeah, and to have Simu Liu going through that, but that train, it's mm-hmm. it's amazing. That is a great scene. It is a phenomenal scene, and even though. It's it's all cartoons in Spider-Man No Way Home. It's it's all computer generated. I don't think Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, or Tobey Maguire actually did anything when it regards to Spider-Man in action. But now I do think 
Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire should have got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just Garfield in general, you know, because he was just so good in that like so it was such a redeeming role and hollywood loves a redemption story you know they should have given it to him or that his role as peter parker coming back in no way home should get him the best actor award you know for tick tick boom you know just give it to him for that be like here we're giving it to you officially for this movie but we all know it's really for spider-man you know (laughs) for being so good as spider-man but like if I'm looking at that, and then I'm looking at the Suicide Squad, which, again, read redemption story, a comeback tale, a redoing of an Oscar-winning movie, <laughs> but a doing it the right way, and in a way that people Oscar actually... movie. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, it is an official award, but it's not one of the good ones, you know? But... It's 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 an award win. It's it's a movie that people enjoyed. It spun off a fantastic television show in Peacemaker, but the whole movie makes sense, you know. And it it's, it tells a story from beginning to end. It's action packed. It's creative. It's an a- adaptation, which the Oscars love, but it's an adaptation of a comic book. So I guess right there that defeats the purpose because yeah. look at that. It's for the masses, you know? Now, granted, do I wish that Marvel and DC maybe didn't have such an effect on the box on the world, you know, filmmaking scene? Yes. I wish a lot less movies were franchises. I do. I wish movies could just be original movies and standalone stories like nowadays. But, which is ironic because my favorite movie of 2022, which I think is, I should be best picture, is The Batman. (laughs) Next year, we should be talking about that movie being Best Picture, and I don't care who else is nominated. I See, do not care if they bring dead, long dead actors back to life to make the greatest movies they've ever made. The Batman. You are, cl- <laughs> you are clearly forgetting the true Best Picture of this year, which is Jackass Forever. <laughs> Dude, I just watched that the other day. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off the whole time. And I thought, like, there's only, you know, you know how, like, at a certain point, you're like, I can see a guy get hit in the nuts only so many times before it stops being funny. But then the cup test happened in that yes. movie. And I was right back. I was like, yep, hit him again. Hit him again. <laughs> well, also because, what, Danger Aaron is one of the bitchiest members of the jacket. It's so funny. It was, And then, of course, when they put the honey and the shit on him, and then they yeah. released the bear into the room. <laughs> And then the trainer's like freaking out, like I gotta get in there. He's going to die. <laughs> My favorite was uh, when they had him in like the the dark room and were just screwing with them. Yeah, that was good when Giant Knox was throwing like the big uh, tarantula on him, <laughs> like the big fake fun, tarantula. Fun fact: Chris Pontius has the most full frontal male nudity on screen. Dude, that, that opening sequence, when it started, I was like, that looks like yeah. a dick. And then it showed what, what, what it was. I was like, oh, shit, that is a dick. <laughs> I was like, that's just dick dressed up as Godzilla. What do you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, there's, there, but, it's, but then again, like, you look at something like that. Why isn't that nominated? You know, why isn't that like a, it, it should at least get a stunts award. You know, <laughs> I know there are stuntman Oscars. That should win because all those dudes have like by default become stuntmen from yeah. doing these things. These movies. They are, their job is literally perform stunts wrong. <laughs> right, exactly. But yet somehow still live, you know? Yeah. 
But like, but I was like, I was reading a review for that, and uh, someone posted something like, uh, "It's like, is it high art? No, but inherently, watching a guy get hit in the nuts is freaking funny. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, and just like the creativity they do to come up with some of the things that they do, it's like, wait, okay, so what are we gonna do? All right, we're gonna put Steve L and Machine Gun Kelly on two stationary bikes that pedal that power these big hands that go back, and then we'll slap them off the bike into a pool. It was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> You know, that's a great creative idea. I get to watch Machine Gun Kelly get slapped off a bike into a pool. Hell yeah. Well, that was the best part. Did you, you caught the fact that his bike powered his own hand, right? <laughs> it was supposed to be the opposite, but yeah. for him, it powered his own hand. <laughs> I was like, but that's like that little, like those little tricks right there. That's what the jackass guys do so well. Like they make you think it's going to be one thing and then it's something completely different. <laughs> My all-time favorite jackass stunt is even uh, it was in Jackass 3D. Um <laughs> I don't remember Jackass 3D. It's been it's been a while. But it's the stunt where they just have a giant hand that gets pulled back behind oh. the door and as people walk in it just swings around and slaps the shit out of them. Could and you imagine one guy to bring in soup? <laughs> Right, Johnny Knoxville laughing and saying he fell for the soup is one of my all-time favorite movie quotes. The, the best thing is like seeing Johnny Knoxville laughing at your pain, and yes. yet for some reason you're still like this dude loves me, and like yeah. he, I know he's having fun with me. You know, it's like just the fact that these dudes are almost dying all the time, and yet they're laughing at each other's pain and they're loving it still. And I think we're about to get the best supporting actor I'm looking at right now. And it's between, you know, a whole bunch of people in movies that no one gives a shit about. I'm rooting for J.K. Simmons or Karen Hines. Well, it looks like whoever's presenting it is taking her sweet-ass time delivering the, uh, delivering the winner. And it went to uh, the dude from CODA. Yeah. It went to the dude from Coda, who everyone's applauding for, though he can't hear it. So, way to be sensitive, Hollywood. <laughs> way to be sensitive. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess. I guess you got to give the Disney Channel some shit. Apple, Apple TV can say, hey, one of our movies won an Oscar. Yeah. Can you, oh, wait. All the people that are famous are doing the uh, jazz hand sign for uh, applause. But um, everyone else is just straight up applauding. So, uh, yeah. Only part of the room got the uh, the memo that the deaf guy might not be able to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be an interesting speech. Is he is he going to sign the speech? I bet he is because he just handed off his award. <laughs> so there's that. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But um, yep, here he goes. He's signing it. Okay, but. I can't hear it. I, I have it on mute, so I'm hoping someone's actually translating you know, <laughs> it. would be so good, though, if they just had him signing his acceptance speech and just, like, figure it out, assholes. <laughs> now, <laughs> that would be funny. But what I would really like to believe they do is force James Earl Jones to learn sign language so he could be the transcriber. <laughs> Dude, that would be great. <laughs> just this fucking deep-ass voice coming out. It's like skinny white guy in his weird like peaky blinders hat. But they do. I just turned the volume on real quick. They do have an announcer um translating or doing the signing. So at least there's that. <laughs> but so 
I mean, but it, but it's something like the most popular movie, it, at least not necessarily blockbuster, like box office wise, but just movie that people talk about the most. Why isn't that nominated? You know, now, I will say the one year that that did happen was uh, Joker got nominated. And yeah, I don't like it's not that I don't like Joker, it's that I feel like it is extraordinary. Like, people saw it and were like, There's nothing like it, there's nothing like it. I'm like, Yeah, you never saw the king of comedy, king of comedy, (laughs) Heath Ledger's Joker, um, yeah, anything else involving a movie, but yeah, it's now I do like, I do, I did think, um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, was definitely a strong contender for best actor because I thought he was the only extraordinary part of that movie. I thought the movie itself was average outside of his performance. Yeah, and that's why they gave it to him, you know, yeah. because he he did the standard punish your body to look physically emaciated like he did for the character and go method and all that shit. All the reasons why anybody gets nominated for being for being in a movie. It's the reason why DiCaprio ended up winning because he almost died being eaten by a bear. You know, well, that one I'm still like, they're like, yeah, you've come in like second place for Oscar winners so many times. We, we should just give you one. Right. And that's exactly what it is. And that's why that's why Will Smith is nominated. It's why Judy Dench got nominated. All of these things, especially Judy Dench and Karen and Karen Hines. It's like how much longer will we have them? You know, yeah. can, we can at least give them an Oscar while they're alive. It's like, well, you should have fucking done that before they got old, you know? Yeah. It's like they have done roles that they deserved Oscars for before this night, you know, before they were in their 90s or whatever. And how old is Karen Hines? He's one of those guys that I just can't. He's, I'm sure, in his 70s. I'm sure he's he's not young, but he's not old at the same time, you know? It's, yeah, I, I guess 60s would be my pick, for, guess, for Kieran Hines. Yeah, it's it's just, what are we doing? I mean, there's there's so much. I, he is 69. Nice. Yeah. Always same, same birthday as me. I love it. <laughs> just a few years before me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like, why do we do that? Like, why does the Academy do that? Why do they wait till someone's either dead or dying to give them an Oscar? You know, you should have given it to them before. They were clearly a good actor before they were dying. What is your problem, assholes, you know? Has, uh, has uh, Andrew Garfield won an Oscar before? He's been nominated. I know he's I- been nominated. He was nominated for Silence, I think, last. Was it, he was also nominated for Hacksaw Ridge, I think. Yeah, but he's now he's. I don't think he's won. He's never won. Yeah, um, I, I think he deserves to win it this year. I he, so he's the star of Tick Tick Boom, which, for those who don't know, is uh, the story of God. Why can't I find his name? Uh. John, it's loosely based off of the guy who wrote Rent. Okay. Um, so he's like a musical playwright, and the guy wrote this as like a semi-autobiographical musical, and it's he's essentially playing the guy who wrote Rent, and he's actually like incredible in it, and like it's actually it's a really cool movie to watch. It has some awesome musical numbers. He's a and really I good actor. I think he deserves it for this. 
like he's he's in this movie i think it's still available on prime called under the silver lake and it's really good he is really good in it and it it makes his redemption as peter parker that much better because when he was like when he got his actual peter parker spider-man amazing spider-man movies you almost wonder what the hell happened because he's those clearly movies, the like if you just look at actors that have played spider-man like he's far and away the best actor of the three right yeah absolutely and those movies his spider-man movies the first one's fine it's just too long yeah. the second one is god awful but you look and you go what happened how how did he allow that to happen you know i guess he's young and coming has no sway in anything but still it's like he should be like look i'm a good actor we have good actors jamie fox paul giamatti they're here why is this so bad <laughs> you know <laughs> now my my pitch is if you're gonna bring back the amazing spider-man we're gonna go multiversal here and we are going to finally get a spider-man deadpool movie starring andrew garfield and ryan reynolds <laughs> that'd be good i i think i would enjoy that you know it's there's just there's there's so much that and and to to tie this in with the oscars there's so much about the academy's choices that famously forever have not made sense especially as of late have not made sense because the academy lately be well deservedly with the backlash has been accused of whitewashing everything, not nominating people of color and at more diverse nominations, all that more diverse film considerations, all of that. And they're trying, they're stepping on their dick at every turn to try to do it, but they're attempting to make uh, things more inclusive and diverse. But the biggest part about the inclusion that they're failing at is the just popular movies you know <laughs> movies that people have actually fucking paid money i to really want to like look at it and see like when was the turning point because you look back and like jaws won the oscar rocky has won an oscar even as recently as like uh, the departed people went and saw the departed yeah it was like the movie of the year yeah you know and even, I mean, even what twenty twelve, you had what Argo, Wolf of Wall Street, Dallas Buyers Club. Like people saw them. Like they, like they weren't huge blockbusters. I mean, Wolf of Wall Street was, but um, people saw them. I think the problem is, and it's it's also like the double edged sword of the diversity. By going more diverse, you're bringing in movies like drive my car you're bringing in movie like coda movies that do not have wide distribution and i know that is to a benefit sometimes because like we said with parasite parasite is an incredible movie arguably the best movie of like the last 10 years like it, it that's that's a conversation to be had that that might be the best movie of the last 10 years right and the reason it was considered is because the act the director himself is a great well-known director and yeah because he he has come to and done like widespread uh snowpiercer we brought up snowpiercer he directed snowpiercer which was widespread fairly successful blockbuster movie yeah and the thing is though 
by going more diverse, you're inherently you're you're almost purposely shooting yourself in the foot popularity wise because you're either alienating the American market or you're alienating the foreign market. You know, it's in by including movies that you can't find in the United States without being in, an, in a major city, in an indie theater, in an art house theater. These movies aren't available to stream until the night before the Oscars. That's the biggest problem that they only make all of these movies available to stream like the week before the Oscars. I attempted, and I think Mike tried, you tried as well to watch all of the best picture nominees. Yeah. Coda drive my car. I didn't even notice drive my car was on HBO max until the other night on Friday. That's two days ago. I don't have three hours out of my day to dedicate because people have jobs. You know, people have families and activities they want to do. They're not going to sit and watch a three-hour ponderous-ass movie on the ruminations of feelings of grief and death about a man driving his car, listening to his wife read a book or a play. Come on. Come on what are we doing? You got to let people know that that movie is available ahead of time and let them watch it because it's too long and too, like, too weirdly alienating plot-wise for people to be like, oh, Let's just watch it the night before the Oscars. It's a feel-good family drama. Who cares? No, that's just not how it works. Coda being only available on Apple TV, Apple TV and being considered for a block for a, an best picture Oscar. You're right there. You're telling ninety percent of streamers that they can't watch it because they don't have Apple TV. Who really has Apple TV out there? Not as the many only people. Only time have. people actually have Apple TV is if they buy a new iPhone and it comes with Apple TV for you. Exactly, it's whoever bought the new iPhone 12. They have Apple TV, and if hopefully they're still within the year that they have that trial, free trial, you know. <laughs> but it's make everything widely available on HBO Max, let's say, or Amazon Prime. Even Netflix, because I know Disney's not going to let everybody put all these movies on. They just mm-hmm. recently added the Netflix superhero shows and made me change my parental guidance settings, you know, so I now have a pin in case my daughter, for some reason, wants to watch Daredevil. You know, she's three. Maybe she'll want to see it. But then there's the fact that just I'm a really good lawyer. Man. Oh, yeah, she'll be fine. Yeah, she'll, she'll be fine at least season one. I think she'll love the whole I'm life. a really good lawyer, though. I am a really good lawyer. Yeah, yeah, right there. If we're going to nominate Judy Dench in Belfast, let's nominate fucking Charlie Cox and so if I ran no way home for that scene. <laughs> that was just great. But it's it's just amazing to me that these movies, and that's the problem with all of them and the Oscars in general, all of the movies that get nominated are movies that no one can see. And I don't mean no one wants to see. I mean, no one can see. These movies yeah, are always never get, like, those available. Art house releases where they're only available at smaller theaters in big cities. Like your local AMC, likely you could not go see Drive My Car. I, I'm willing to bet. Yeah, until like the weekend before the Oscars when they make it available twice, you know, yeah. at like 3 p.m. on a Friday and then like 2 p.m. on a Saturday. You know, it's they're not getting primetime slots, but at the same time, we live right outside of Philadelphia, arguably like one of the bigger second tier cities in the country. It's not New York. It's not L.A., but it is a Chicago. It's a Philly. It's almost a D.C. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing drive my car in theaters around here. We're not. We can go into Philly and try to find an art house theater that shows it, but I guarantee we won't. You go to New York. Everyone's going to show it. Every art house theater showing it in Hollywood. Every theater is showing it. 
And that's the problem. And I, I understand the argument coming from the middle of the country that they, they feel left out. Well, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but it's the same thing. People should be look the academy should be looking at what the middle of the country likes, which is guess what? The majority of the American population. Guess what they like? The popular movie. Put Spider-Man No Way Home in there. You nominated Black Fucking Panther for Christ's sake. Yeah. Get Spider-Man No Way Home in there. You nominated the Dark Or Shang-Chi. If you really want to go, if you want to go like the whole diversity route, like Shang-Chi, fine. And that that ticks a lot of boxes right there. Get your popular vote, get your Asian diversity, and then gets, I'll just say women, because Aquafina is a mainer character. I don't know. But it's it's there's so much that needs to change with the academy itself when it comes to if if anything, baby steps wise, just best picture. You know, just at least make two of the best picture nominees movies that people enjoyed and saw. Right there, we got Dune, we got Spider-Man No Way Home. Just put those two on there. If they're not going to win, they're not going to win because there's always the nominees that that are just nominated because let's nominate them. They have no chance, but let's just nominate them. So why not do it with those movies too, you know? It's because the Academy is so far up their ass that they have to nominate a movie about a gay cowboy that's not really about a gay cowboy it's about and, gay cowboys <laughs> and that movie like i cannot express how much i disliked that movie it's it's bad when sam elliott comes out against jane campion the director's um representation of cowboys and the fact he i think he actually said like a woman can't know what a cowboy is so it's like yeah don't agree with that sam but still i kind of get what you're saying because they filmed this american cowboy movie in new zealand (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) just set it in montana we still have areas that look like cowboy areas in this country just film it there just fucking film it there you know i don't care what tax breaks peter jackson got you just film it in the united states you bitch (laughs) and that you like spider-man no way home like if you go on rotten tomatoes yeah the score should be in like the 80s or 90s right it should be up there yeah uh Critics consensus, a bigger, bolder Spider-Man sequel, No Way Home, expands the franchise's scope and stakes without losing sight of its humor and heart. Like that, it's a, And then audience, packed with action, emotion, and surprises, Spider-Man No Way Home is a franchise fan service at its finest. Like, boom, should at least get a nomination. Fan service. <laughs> it's for fans. I mean, Spider-Man is a universally like beloved character like Mickey Mouse, Michael Jordan, you know, it's these people everywhere can relate to something involving them. And he's one of the most famous superheroes ever. Why not nominate his best movie in a long time <laughs> as best picture for fuck's that, sake? And that also doing? brings up the, uh, with the animated movies, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse should have just been nominated for best picture in yeah. general. Yeah. I mean, why not? Again, you nominated Black Panther. Why not? <laughs> but it's 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 a shame. And rather than allow this 
episode to go on as long as the Oscars. (laughs) We should probably wrap it up because we've talked about pretty much everything involving the Best Picture nominees that we did. We talked about what we thought should win. We're not going to know until, even though they cut out, 15 categories we're still not going to know until 3 a.m what wins best picture anyway we didn't do any beer checking so i think we should do one more beer uh check back before we close out so okay. i i really like my galloping ghosts i finished uh, about two and a half throughout the last hour and a half or so uh it's a really good scotch ale 7.3 percent very nice drink yeah, and I got my uh, my Zed's beer, uh, my Zed's on the front porch American Lager, and it's uh, again, it's great because Zed's is great. The two I've had are great, and uh, yeah, there you go. Get it right in front of your face, Mike. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Make sure the can is visible. Yeah, there you go, right there. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's great. I mean, Zed's makes some great beer, and uh, I just having a glance at the TV. They had that uh, a commercial for the unbearable weight of massive talent. The uh, <laughs> The Nick Cage, sure to be Best Picture nominee next year. I cannot <laughs> wait for that movie. I can't either. It looks so good. <laughs> I just love the fact that the TV commercial or the in-theater commercial we saw that has, uh, oh, Nick, friggin' like it's censored. <laughs> you know? I can't wait to see what he actually says in a movie. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, I would say semi-live from L.A., but yet, not live from LA. Dressed like we're live from LA, I think. <laughs> you too can dress as snazzy as me with one of these Happy Hour Film t-shirts. That's right. Yeah. If anybody's interested in getting t-shirts, we'll get more. We've had a few made, but uh, we'll definitely get more. Um, Mike, so people know what to do with us when they see us now that they've seen our beautiful faces and they want to hear more of us. What, where can they find us on the internet? All right. So... For your streaming pleasure, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts from. You find us on social media at Happy Hour Films Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And now you can find us on YouTube at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Hey, there we go. So as opposed to just having our one episode from the Monmouth County Memes uh, crossover where you could randomly come some uh, stumble across our faces on youtube now you might actually be able to find us where we tell you to find us so uh on our own youtube page so that's probably it for the best uh for our oscar episode um next week we are going to be starting a new theme and um we have actually decided what it's going to be like before we did this oscar theme last week we didn't uh, we didn't know what we we're going to do but now we have we are going to be doing uh, some lesser trilogies for the month of April. I guess an April Fools of lesser trilogies. And if you don't know, we have already covered some of the biggest trilogies of all time back yep. in January of 2021. Yeah, that was uh, last year. And also, Mike, I forgot to say congratulations to us. We passed the 100 episode mark like two weeks ago. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention, but... I will say this, this may be our hundredth episode, because I think if you don't count our first two shitty episodes, we're at a (laughs) hundred, which is perfect. We're celebrating with a video. We are live in LA for our hundredth episode. (laughs) 
Do I ignore the couch that appears near my arm? <laughs> yeah, whenever we do something too fast and you might see the background, who knows? But, um, oh no. <laughs> but, all right, so yeah, so we're going to do some next, uh, we're going to do some lesser trilogies. And one of which will be um, a famously hated, derided trilogy of one of the great trilogies that we talked about uh a year ago so uh next week though if you want to prepare we'll be watching the spy kids trilogy which which really uh, (laughs) we're doing it no no service by calling it a lesser trilogy because that that is almost d2 the mighty ducks levels of amazingness (laughs) i think i've seen parts of some of these movies I am not looking forward to watching them. I really am not. <laughs> Listen, Steve Buscemi. Steve Bu motherfucking Shemi. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the only thing that's keeping me uh, interested in this. And isn't, and Machete. Uh, I would just say, isn't Stallone in one of these too? Yes, he is. Yeah, uh, like George, George Clooney, Clooney or something. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. But um, all right. So until that time next week when we see and talk about some lesser trilogies, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And we are signing off live from L.A. Happy Hour Films at the Oscars. See you guys next week.